Add your own title Sunday, okay, when we're at the end of this one. And I just, uh, you'll, you'll get it here in a little bit. But uh, Ephesians chapter 1, Brother Jim has read our text this morning for us. And uh, if you remember from uh, the last few weeks, I've been giving you the, kind of the outline of Ephesians chapter 1 a little bit, just how I have split it up. Uh, I read how other people split these up, and I thought, oh, wow, that's way better. Man, I like that. But it's too late. I already did my own, and you're just going to have to suffer with mine. And, uh, but uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, I've, we've already gone through some, all of these. We're here on the, really on the last one. But we saw that our position was in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our purpose is adoption. Our purchase is redemption. You may already have these written down. Our paternity, it's our identification with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our elder brother. God is our father. Our promise, which is an inheritance, the proof of this promise, which is the indwelling spirit of God. And then today we're going to look at the the power of this, the indwelling, the, the active indwelling of the spirit of God. The spirit of God has a work to do in us and through us. And that is the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God. And we saw that uh, you can't take back, this is God's earnest, right? It was his down payment on us, on the purchased possession. He made a down payment on us. It was the Holy Spirit of God. He can't take it back. And uh, if he were to be able to take back the Holy Spirit, I guess in essence, if you would follow logically the way an earnest would, would, ha- would, would go, is he would have to like, give up the Holy Spirit. I mean, well, that's not possible. I mean, okay, you, you, God cannot do that. And I made this statement that our inheritance is as secure as the Godhead is inseparable. Our inheritance, inheritance is as secure as the Godhead is inseparable. He is not going to give away. And it's just, it is not possible. It can't happen. And these were some of the inward blessings that we noticed of being in the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week we looked at the outward evidence, which the outward evidence of an inward work in, the, in Ephesians chapter 1. One of the outward evidences is, of course, love for the brethren. Our love for each other is evidence to believers that were in Christ, and our love for each other is evidence to unbelievers that we are in Christ. And so if we're not loving, if we don't have that love one for another, there was a problem. We saw that last week. You have two problems, one of two problems. You're either unsaved or you're walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. And we looked at that. But today, we get a little, little noisy here. Maybe we can turn that down just a hair. Today... I'm thankful for those working now, but now they really work and uh, really work. Today, for the third time, internal gifts. We have an internal, the internal gifts. And, and uh, here's another outline of Ephesians. I like this one. The blessings of the Father, the blessings of the Son, and the blessings of the Holy Spirit. And we're looking today at the blessings of the Holy Spirit, the internal gift, the blessings of the Spirit of God. And you know, there's been a lot of unbiblical teaching about the work of the Holy Ghost of God and what it looks like. There are those that go directly to the sign gifts and they, so they call them, the, you know, these are evidences of the Spirit of God that you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. One of the, one of the tragedies of that doctrine is it, is it runs in tandem with another tragedy 
tragedy, which is they also believe that you can lose your salvation, which you'll notice an unfortunate cycle that happens is that you're constantly trying to verify and validate that you still have the indwelling spirit of God. And so how do you validate this? Well, by the sign gifts. And so you create this this cycle over and over and over and over again of uh, needing some some experience to prove that you're still uh, that you're still saved, and uh, they will look to the sign gifts as uh, as an evidence of the indwelling uh, spirit of God. Some go to this thing called spirit baptism or the second blessing of which the Bible speaks nothing of. A second blessing. I know Wesley made that really popular. I know uh, Jack Hiles talked about his own second blessing. I know uh, I think Finney went really deep into some of these experiential things of the second blessing, but I'm sorry. Uh, the Bible doesn't speak about that. What the Bible is clear of, the moment that you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are indwelt by the person, the third person of the Godhead. The Spirit of God dwells in you immediately and fully. I had a friend of mine who is of a, another persuasion talk about getting more of the Spirit. And I said, the Holy Spirit of God is a person. So how do you get part of a person or more of a person? He looked at me kind of quizzically and like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. I mean, we, we got all of them. We got, uh, you know, what, what, does it, what does not, uh, how do I say this, what may not be present and what we realize is not present at the day of our salvation is as we grow in Christ, he gets more of us. And when he gets more of us, while people may say, wow, he got more of the Holy Spirit. No, no, he's just, he's got the throttle open finally. And everything that's in the tank is coming through and going through. The carburetor's unstuck. The fuel filter is cleaned out of the dirt and whatever is clogging up the power to get there. But it's all there. The tank's full, friend, when you got saved. It just needs to get up sometimes. And that comes by growth in, in, in many times and and God working in our life. But there's been a lot of unbiblical teachings about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit of God. We are indwelt by Him at salvation. And the work of the Holy Spirit of God is a gift and a blessing from God. Now I want you to think about this. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God was involved at creation. How many remember the past where it says when God had created it, then it said that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. All of the Godhead was involved in creation. God said, let us, plural, let us make man after our likeness and our image. We go to John 1 and we understand that it was, it was Jesus who was the active part of the creation who created all things that are and that exist. But the Holy Spirit of God was involved in creation. And I'm telling you today, the Holy Spirit of God was involved in our creation in Christ Jesus. He draws, he convicts, he regenerates, he indwells in us, and he works through us. Let me say this, he attempts, he endeavors to work through us. And in the working of the Holy Spirit, what is he doing? Just simply, what is he doing? He's living out the life of the Lord Jesus through us. I like what one pastor said. He said, God, the father was so pleased with the son that he wanted many more just like him. 
And that's what he's doing through us by the work of the Holy Spirit. He's making us like Christ and he's continuing the work that Jesus started. What was the work? What is the end goal of our life? Well, it's the same as the end goal of the Lord Jesus Christ. To, to seek and to save that which was lost. That's our goal. That's our job today. That's what God has set us aside for. That is what he has chosen us in Christ for. All that come to Christ, all that believe in Christ, uh, that he promised to make us like Jesus. And it's, it doesn't end there. It's like, oh, we think of, well, he's going to make us like Jesus to be perfect and holy and without sin. No, the end goal is to seek and to save that which is lost in this life. We're going to have all of eternity to be sinless. <laughs> We're going to have the rest of our eternal existence, right, to be perfect. Looking forward to that. Right now, he's taken fallen man and dwelt by a perfect God to reach fallen man. That's what he's doing. And one of the areas that we need the work of the Spirit of God in our life, one of the areas is what our text shows here is the area of knowledge and understanding. We're still finite beings, amen? Can anybody tell you, tell me what's going on right now in Afghanistan? Pick, pick a street and pick a house and tell me what's going on. You can't, we're finite beings. We can't do that. It's not possible. We, we are still a, re, uh, oh boy, I don't, we're still a regenerated soul kind of trapped in an unregenerated flesh. Right? We're still limited in our mind. We are just simply, let me say it this way. I should have said this for the, at the beginning. We're just not God. Right? We're not God. We're not Him at all. And if we're going to live like Jesus lived, we're going to need the Holy Spirit of God to accomplish it. Now, Jesus needed the Holy Spirit of God to accomplish His mission. Oh, if you're a thinking person, this, this kind of almost looks like a contradiction, doesn't it? Why would God need God? Isn't, don't, we, don't we preach the deity of Jesus Christ? He is fully man and fully God. And he's the second person of the God. Absolutely. Well, why on earth would Jesus need the Holy Spirit of God? Go back to the event. You remember this? He's, he's, uh, he's being baptized by John. He said, we must fulfill all righteousness. And the Bible says, as he's in the water, the Father is in heaven, saying, this is my beloved Son, who I am well pleased. Hear ye him. While, he, while the Father is speaking, the Holy Spirit of God is descending upon him, Jesus is in the water, one of the clearest, clearest pictures of the Godhead right there. And the Bible says that Jesus went up out of the water in the power of the Holy Ghost. And from there he went out into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. So why would Jesus need the Holy Ghost to go up in power? He's God. This is what went through my mind a lot years ago. This doesn't make sense, Right? Let me, say the, let me say this. Within the Godhead is a chain of command. The Father sent the Son. The Son sent the Comforter. The Holy Spirit of God brings people to Jesus. Jesus brings them to the Father. There is a chain of command. That, right. that, that, that's why the, 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 the unpardonable sin is the rejection of the work of the Spirit of God. Because in the chain of command of the Godhead... When you, you can reject the Father, the Bible says, you can re and be forgiven. You can re reject Jesus, the Bible says, and be forgiven. You cannot reject the Holy Spirit of God and be forgiven. Why? Because there's nothing after Him to bring you to Jesus Christ. It's the end of the line. Yeah. 
So the, the Holy Spirit of God, within the Godhead, there is a chain of command. And let me say this, within the Godhead, every, every person in the Godhead has a role that he plays. The Father sent the Son. The Son, listen, the Son volunteered to be the, the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. The Holy Spirit of God has the job of drawing and bringing people to Jesus Christ. No, He doesn't, he doesn't tell of Himself. He never went around and asked for doves to be put on churches to draw attention to Himself. He doesn't draw attention to Himself. He draws attention and points people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. Everyone has a job within the Godhead. Watch for, for, for salvation and for redemption to be accomplished, for the atonement to be accomplished, the entire Godhead had to be involved. And the job of the Holy Spirit, watch, is to empower. And just as Jesus was performing His role, the Holy Spirit of God was performing His role within the Godhead. And you know what? The Holy Spirit of God, He is continuing that role He has. Not in Jesus now. <laughs> no need for that. He's, he's, he's performing that role in us. He, he is that power that we need to live our life. He is a power. If Jesus wasn't going to carry out his commission without the Holy Ghost, what makes us think that we can carry out what God has called us to do without the Holy Spirit of God? It's not possible. We need him. We need that. We need the inner working. Amen? Amen. Are we all on the same page? Am I tracking with you? All right. So I want to look a little bit closer at the inner work of the Holy Spirit of God. And if you notice here in verse 15 and 16 of our text, one of the areas, we could go through many areas, but one of the areas we see here in verses 15 and uh, 16. I'm sorry. Well, 15, let me do 16 and 17. Cease not... Uh, I'm sorry, verse 15, let me start up there, I'm sorry. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. Would you notice that here, Paul's prayer? Paul, Paul had a prayer life. Before I get to what we're looking at, Paul had a prayer life. Paul had a vital prayer life, actually, when you look at it. In every letter he wrote, in almost every letter, he told them that he was praying for them. In Romans 1, 9, he says, God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. In most of the letters that he wrote, he told that church that he was praying for them. Colossians 1, 9 sounds... Uh, 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 uniquely identical to, to Ephesians chapter 1. Listen to verse 9. For this cause we also, since today we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And Paul tells him exactly what he's asking God for. We believe in praying specifically. Amen. We believe in asking God exactly for what we need and, and uh, the, what we're looking for. From him, And Paul was very specific in his prayer. What he prayed for the church at Colossae is the same thing that he was actually praying here to the church at Ephesians. Uh, uh, it was spiritual, spiritual understanding. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. And Paul is uh, specific here. And this specific prayer is what I want to dive into this morning. 
remembering the work of the Holy Spirit of God, remembering the indwelling Spirit of God and the work that He does, I want to look at these two things here this morning that Paul brings up in verses 17 and 18. Verse 16, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Verse 17, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Oh, I know the, what the Pentecostals say. They, they go big on this. You know, we got a spirit of wisdom. we got a spirit of knowledge and everything. God gives a spirit of this. Like some, some unknown force comes in and gives them this word. I read John Wimber. You probably remember John Wimber, uh, the, who began the, vine, the vineyard movement. Uh, John Wimber, not vineyard. That's not Jim Vineyard. Anyway, John Wimber. I'm getting names goofed up here. Uh, he started the Vineyard Church, and it was a charismatic nightmare. It was a mess. It was an absolute, the, the Toronto blessings when they were barking like dogs all over the place, and the holy laughter quote came across the place. It's just an absolute mess. Uh, the, the, uh, the revivals in Florida, Brownsville, Florida revivals, supposedly people were going all over the country to come to this thing and all of these things going on. Well, I read his book called Power Evangelism. It was given to me, and I told me I'll read it. And one of the things that I noted in that, he misquoted a verse where Jesus said that you will do greater, he said, greater miracles than me. It's not what Jesus said. He said, I'll do greater works. We do greater works. Jesus started his church, but he left the planet and he left the, 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 the continuation of the church to us. Boy, we would think that was a bad idea, huh? <laughs> but uh, that's why we got the indwelling spirit of God. And, uh, but he said, you know, he, he said, well, you, you get made it, help us do greater miracles than Jesus. Started with the wrong premise just at the very beginning. And he said, he said this, I was on an airplane going somewhere and the person next to me, uh, you know, God put a, I looked over and I saw a, a letter on their forehead or wherever it was. And uh, he said, I turned to the guy and told him that God, he was talking about a spirit of knowledge. God told me that you were having an affair. And the guy goes, oh, how'd you know? He said, well, God told me. And he went on to explain, this was all the spirit of, of knowledge. And as we see in our text, that's not really what the spirit of knowledge is all about. Man, I'm going to get ahead of myself here. Spoiler alert, it's about knowing Jesus Christ. That's what it is. Amen. And so he is here. Uh, uh, I'm trying to figure out where, I was, where I'm at here. I, this is the second time I've done this this morning. I need to take brain food or something. And uh, Paul is praying directly, making specific requests, and that he uh, wants, us, wants us to have knowledge wisdom and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not the, like I was saying, not the wisdom and not the spirit of knowledge that the Pentecostals say, but what God is trying to say here. And so Paul petitions, petitions the Father. Do you see this? He's specific about his prayer and he's, call, he's calling unto God, our Father. Look at this, uh, verse uh, 16 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. He was directing to the Father. I noted this here. If you remember in Matthew chapter 6, when the disciples, they didn't ask Jesus how to do miracles. They didn't ask Him how to heal. They asked Him uh, to teach Him to pray. Interesting. And so Jesus gave them the model, right? 
We know this in this room. That wasn't the Lord's Prayer. We would call John 17 the Lord's Prayer. This is a model that Jesus gave them. And he said, when you pray, pray this way, Our Father, which art in heaven. Now, I don't, I don't want to get too uh, um, split hairs on things here. But you'll hear some people pray to Jesus. I think that's fine. But really, Jesus told us to pray to the Father through him. We have access to the Father. Jesus prayed to the Father. And because of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are able to pray for him. We have the same access with the Father as Jesus had. Now, I don't think if you pray to Jesus, the Godhead is going, okay, who gets this one? Okay, come on. I mean, it's God. Okay, I understand that. But Jesus showed us the model how to pray. Jesus had access to the Father. He has given us full access to the Lord Jesus Christ. And John 6, or to the Father, John 16, 23, he says, In that day ye shall ask me nothing. What was the day he was talking about? Well, he's talking about the day when he was going to be removed from the world. When he was going back to heaven. He told them that you're going to have sorrow. Why? Because I'm going to have to leave you. But he said, in that day, ye shall ask me nothing. Why? He says, I'm going to be gone. I, he's seated at the right hand. We'll get into that here in just a little bit. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Does that mean at one, whatever you tag in Jesus' name on the end of, you'll get? <laughs> I know that's a pattern, and I don't think there's anything wrong with clarifying, especially to a lost world out there, that we're not coming to the Father in the name of Muhammad, or in the name of Buddha, or in the name of Jim Jones, or anybody else. We're coming to him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that's a great clarification. Amen. But we're, we, are, we are praying to, we have access to the Father. He said, What's it, we, you have access to him in my name. What does that mean? Remember when he's on the cross? Right? He cried out what? It is finished. And the Bible says the veil on the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. What was that veil? That was the, 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 the lack of access. Only the high priest could go past that point. Well, Jesus Christ, the great high priest, who was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world, uh, gave his atoning blood that, uh, that ripped that veil in twain, and that those now who are in Christ Jesus, we are now all priests and kings unto God, and we have full access to the Father. This is a wonderful thing. We, in Christ, we have access to him. So we pray and we have the same access to the Father that Jesus did. And in addition to that, you know, it's even better. Jesus, our elder brother, our mediator, our lawyer, is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Do you realize when you go to the Father that Jesus is praying for you as well? Wow, what a thought that is. Do you know the Holy Spirit of God when we don't even know what to say? is making groanings and utterings which are not understood. He's praying for us. He's interceding for us. There's times, listen, friend, I have prayed, God, I don't even know how to pray here. And I'm just going to allow the Holy Spirit to pray. I don't know what to do. I have no idea how to say that. You, you just take over. I don't know what I need. Absolutely. It's a wonderful thing. Watch, this was Paul's confidence in prayer. He said, I pray the, the Father of glory, right, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. He is praying to the Father. What is his specific request? The spirit, that the spirit of wisdom would give you revelation, knowledge and revelation. Knowledge and revelation. Now there are two prayers 
in Ephesians. The first one is right here, chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. And this prayer here from Paul is, is, is let me sum it up this way, that you may know, K-N-O-W, that you might know. There's another prayer in Ephesians in chapter 3, verses 13 through 21. And that prayer is that you may be, that you may be, that you may know and that you might be. Let me say it this way, enlightenment and then enablement. God wants us to know why, so we can be, so we can do. And he's petitioning the Father that he would give unto this church spiritual understanding. Now, oh boy, I'm running out of time already. Don't look. It's fine. It's not as bad as you think. Follow me with this, if you would, please. Follow me. Try to. My brain is really hard to follow sometimes. I know that. Animals, you're like, this is going to be left field. Just stay with me. Animals discern animal things. Could we agree on that? I think that. I'm not tricking you. I'm just, I'm trying to make a point here, right? Birds understand birds. Why? Because they all have bird brains. So they understand birds. Dogs understand dogs. Whales understand whales. Cats don't even understand cats. But that's the only exception. But, but animals, okay, even cats understand cats. But animals understand animals. They discern animal Things. Now, we know about animals. We can understand some of their characteristics. I know when my dog wants an egg. He loves raw eggs. He eats the shell and all. And he, every morning, he thinks he, he's ready for an egg. This morning, I'm in my chair. It's about, oh, 5.30, 6 o'clock maybe by then. And uh, I had let him out earlier. And uh, the shade's drawn. And I just let him run. And I can hear him out there. I hear him. And he's kind of sitting up against the door. He's wanting back in, and I'm not letting him in. And then I hear more movement. And then finally I heard clunk. He took something and threw it up against the door because he wanted back in. The, I know what he wants. I can understand him, right? There's some things I can know about him. He'll look at me like this and his ears are back and he's looking at me. And uh, of course, I think I know what he's thinking. And uh, usually it's food or something like that. But wait, we can't understand their mind. I don't know what he's really thinking. I don't know what he's really thinking when I put him in his cage for the day outside. Right. I don't know what he's really thinking when he's running out chasing turkeys and deer and running them off like he's really something you know, big and ferocious. I don't, I don't really know what's going on in that mind. Okay, Why? Because I'm not a dog. I'm not an animal. So animals discern animal things. Humans discern human things. We say, well, I'm hungry, and we understand that. We can kind of begin to sympathize. We begin to, uh, with that, and we go, oh, yeah. Somebody may go, yeah, I am too. If somebody says, I went through a period of starvation, we, we, we understand not only just starvation, but we understand the emotions that go with that. The fear, the, the oh, all of these things. We, we can, and, we, and if somebody has been through that, they'll sympathize. If somebody has not been through that, they may empathize and go, oh, boy, that's terrible. Right? If you say, I love ice cream, boy, we, we get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is why we are able to sympathize. This is why we are able to empathize. Why? Because we understand. Because we are humans. We discern human things. 
was behind a stock trailer just the other day going to Republic, just yesterday actually, and I was watching all of these cows in this stock trailer, and I assume they were going up north. It looked like they were going up to I-44 maybe, going up to the stockyards uh, where those cows were going to be murdered. And uh, I understood what was going on, right? But I have no way to know the mind that that cow understood. If they're in there going, hmm, weird. Everything they talk is long, right? You didn't know that? Uh, yeah. I don't know if they get into the stockyard or they start smelling the blood of other, they're like, you know, if they get there, they're like, Bill, what are you doing here? You know, if they see somebody they know, right? If they saw him, then they're like, well, where'd Bill go, right? They smell blood and go, uh-oh. You know, I don't know. Why? Because I'm not an animal, right? So how is it possible to know the mind of God? Wait, you're not God. I'm not God. I can't even understand a bird's mind. I can't understand my dog's mind. I don't know what a cow is going through. How on earth would I discern what God is thinking? It's not possible. Right? You following? I was really nervous. God said, my ways are higher than your ways. God said, my ways are past finding out. He told Israel at one time, thou thoughtest that I was altogether as thyself. You know what he said? You're not. I'm, not, I'm nothing like you. I'm nothing. I like what uh, Solomon said over in Ecclesiastes. And what a simple statement this was, but yet so profound. He said, God is in heaven and we are on earth. It's just different. No, no, our, our, we are created by him. We are nothing like him. And if we can't understand the mind of a bird, how can we understand the mind of God? 2 Corinthians 2.14. You know what it says, right? For the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually, they are spiritually discerned. What is they referring to? Spiritual things. Spiritual things are discerned spiritually only the spirit of God knows the mind of God why because he is God you and I don't did you know if God never gave this we would never know a thing about him it's possible by creation and conscience we might even still know that there's a God but we would know nothing of his mind nothing John 4, 24, the Bible says God is a spirit. And they that worship him, I read this in Sunday school, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So God is a spirit, and there's no way for humans to know spiritual things outside of God revealing himself to us. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. Many times this is, this is uh, applied to heaven. But it's really not in context. Listen, it says, I have, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear hath heard, nor hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And people say, that's heaven. And, well, absolutely, there's a lot we don't understand about heaven. But read the rest of the chapter. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. 
For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him. That's just what I was saying. Humans know humans. Birds know birds. Dogs know dogs. Right? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, amen, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Amen. Over in Deuteronomy, the Bible says that the secret things belong unto God, that the things that he's revealed revealed belong unto us and unto our children. Aren't you glad that God has revealed himself? Could you imagine trying to have a relationship with somebody that you know nothing about? And can know nothing about it. It's just, it wouldn't happen. It is absolutely impossible. Yeah. God has revealed himself. He's revealed himself. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9 through 12 is not talking about heaven. It's talking about the revelation of the word of God. Yeah. How do we know? It's by the spirit of God. You know what else this means in our text? Belief comes before knowledge. I remember a professor I had, Dr. Dell. You remember Dr. Dell? He summed up soteriology one day, and he said, uh, he said, he asked the question, do you have to know to believe or believe to know? And he said, I can sum up all of soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. How do you be saved? I can sum it up in one phrase. You've got to believe before you can know. That's it. I was like, wonderful. Pass that class. Let's go on to another one. I can remember that one. That would be great. Yeah. It's true. It's right here. You've got to believe. Belief comes before knowledge. You've got to be born again before you can know. Why? Because only, you can only know God by the indwelling Spirit of God, and you can only have the indwelling Spirit of God if you've come to faith and knowledge in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Yep. So the Holy Spirit knows the deep things of God. Over in uh, John, the Bible says he is, he is John 14. He's our teacher. The Holy Spirit of God teaches us. One person said it this way. Man needs more than reason and research. Man needs revelation. We need revelation from God. We need to know the mind of God. And this is a part of the working of the Spirit in the lives of every believer. This is the prayer of of the Apostle Paul, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Here it is, the spirit of wisdom. The spirit of wisdom. Godly wisdom. These are the two things that Paul wants. Spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. So godly wisdom we know only comes from Paul. I'm, anybody catch that? God. It only comes from God. Yeah. Listen to Psalm 111. You don't you're usually hear much out of Psalm 111. Psalm 111 verse 10. I love how this is laid out. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. Do you notice this? In the, the beginning of uh, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, then he defines what the fear is. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. How do you know you, you fear God? Well, if you're obeying God. 
It's a great evidence that, that, uh, that you fear God. Proverbs 8.13, we know this one. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and all, and the evil way, and the froward mouth, do I hate. What is the fear of the Lord? Well, to hate evil, to hate sin, to hate anything that God hates. That is the fear of the Lord. So wisdom begins, it's just the beginning, I like that. It begins by the fear of the Lord, and the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And when you, watch, when you agree with God on what he calls sin, you will line up at the starting line, you will line up at the blocks on the course, right? You will be lining up at the start line for wisdom. For wisdom. Let me sum it up a little simpler. You could call the fear of the Lord walking in the Spirit. Just walk in the Spirit. How do you? How is it that we walk in the Spirit? Obedience. Obedience. Do you know walking in the Spirit isn't some some weird ethereal thing out in the nether that you uh, that you approach to one of these days that you that you arrive at finally I'm walking in the spirit no walking in the spirit is just obeying the voice of God at every place that he that he's spoken to you watch when you have when you are obeying God you're walking in the spirit when you have disobeyed God well you're walking in the flesh you know that means you can walk in the spirit and walk in the flesh about a thousand times a day The goal in our life and maturity is to be walking in the Spirit far more than we're walking in the flesh. James 1.5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. God gives those who are walking in the Spirit wisdom. Wisdom. Yeah. Do you need wisdom? God said he won't, he won't tell you no. The only thing, though, that will stop wisdom, because wisdom comes from God, is when you clog up the inner working of the Spirit of God by sin. He said he'll give you wisdom. Look at secondly, and I'll, we're going to be done here in a little bit. Okay. Only got about 30 minutes left. Always oversell. Knowledge of truth. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, um, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Knowledge. Revelation, wisdom, revelation, knowledge. Knowledge. Knowledge of truth and knowledge of experience. There's two things. Knowledge of truth. Matthew 16, 17. Uh, remember, Jesus said, Whom do men say that I am? And Peter, one of the only times he ever piped up something good, it seemed like, he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Well, that's great, Peter. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which hath revealed it unto you. Right? Somebody to come up to say that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God. Anybody would say that. Jesus said, that's, that, that's from God. Only God reveals something like that. 
a young man I, I knew, he, he's out in another church somewhere else now, but he was a part of a ministry over at MSU, at the campus here uh, in Springfield at MSU. And uh, in that program, they, it was an open on a Thursday nights, and it was open to students. It was more on an academic level. It was more uh, programmed to those that are, that are questioning, that are, quote, seeking, that are unbelievers, and, and uh, they presented it in, in such a way. And this individual said at the end of one of the at the one of the uh, meetings, a Chinese girl came up to him. And it was a foreign exchange student. She'd never been in America. She said at the end of one of the, one of the uh, meetings, she says, I have never heard of Jesus. I've never heard that name. I've never heard of him. She goes, but for some reason, I don't know why I believe you. <laughs> yeah. What is going on there? It's the work of the Spirit of God. I didn't say she received them. Yeah. But she began to, began to believe that there's something to this. The knowledge of truth. It's a work of the Spirit of God. Paul wanted this for the Ephesians. It's not only the knowledge of truth, but it's, there, there's, uh, there's an experiential knowledge as well in 2 Peter 3.18. We're told, uh, Peter said, but grow in grace... And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And be both glory now and forever. Amen. It's a growing process. Growing in the knowledge of who? Here it is in our text. Of Him. Of Him. Of Jesus. No, the one you're in a relationship with. The one you say you love. The one that saved you. The one that rescued you. The one that purchased you. The one that died for you. The one that shed His blood for you. The one that is interceding for you. That is at the right hand of the Father. Making intercession for you. That one. No, no. Knowledge of Him. Knowledge of Him. Colossians 2 and 3. It says about Jesus. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Yeah. You say, well, I just don't know a lot. Well, if you know Jesus, you know a lot. Well, I just don't have that type of education. Well, if you just get to know Jesus more, you'll have better than the best education can have. Remember the men, the, 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 the disciples that said they were ignorant men, but it, said they, it seemed as if they, had, they sounded like they had been with Jesus. Yeah. You know, this is what we need more of today than anything else. We need to know Jesus more than anything else. No we, need to mo- no, we need to know more about Jesus, more than we need to know about our favorite football team. Are you listening? We need to more- know more about Jesus than we know more-, more about politics. And I like politics. I get really caught up in it. And I, I like all the craziness that goes on sometimes. And it kind of, I mean, it's kind of exciting. And I kind of like watching everything that's going on. And I can tell you about this senator and that senator. And I can tell you a lot about our president and past presidents, and some of you can uh, you know history like nobody knows history, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. But I'm telling you, I need to know more about Jesus than I know about anything about politics. Yeah. I need to know more about Jesus than I, than, than, than I know about any of my hobbies. We need to know more about Jesus than we know about Hollywood. Do you, know, do you realize people know so much about actors and actresses, Right? They know when they're born. They know when they die. They know what their favorite food is. They, they, they know what they wore at this thing and at that thing and, and how they, you know, messed up over here. and messed. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. The people are like walking encyclopedias of Hollywood. Yeah. 
I think we need to be a walking encyclopedia of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. I think we need to know, definitely need to more, know more about Jesus than we know about our own self. Because we'll never fully know our own heart. That's a pointless endeavor. You know, you'll find out the more you know about Jesus, the more you'll know about yourself, the more you'll just quit relying on self and start relying on Jesus. See, if you're in Christ this morning, you have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God knows the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit of God is our teacher. And if we're going to know the mind of God, it will be the Spirit of God that teaches us. And the Spirit of God, He will teach us as we walk in the Spirit. And among other things, what will He teach us? He'll teach us about Jesus. He'll teach us about the knowledge of Him. Question. What real love relationship doesn't desire to know more about the object of their love? No, I know. Some, I, I get it. Some people have a past and they, they say, I, just, I know all I want to know because I'm afraid. I, I had somebody very close to me, uh, uh, in, uh, a sibling, say, I, I, just, I think I know, I, I know all I want to know about God because I'm afraid if I find out more, I'm going to be disappointed. I said, oh, no, you won't be disappointed. No, there's a lot, there's a lot of past there. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of hurt and a lot of pain for them to say something like that. And it's real. It's not, I'm not minimizing it. But Jesus said, oh, taste and see. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, the Bible says, right? Yeah, amen. Amen. We desire to know more about Him. Why? Because we love Him. We love Him. This was Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. This is, Paul, this is, the, this, this is the prayer, I believe, of the Lord Jesus Christ for us. I know it is. That we might know him. Listen to me this morning. We have the tools, the ability, let me say it this way, the person to accomplish this. It's the indwelling spirit of God. Yeah. Now all we have to make sure of is that we're walking in the spirit. Yeah. Walking in the spirit. And uh, in this... On a regular basis, how many have enjoyed? How many enjoyed your uh, journal books? Oh my goodness, I've I didn't use one last year. I didn't use one last year. I pulled mine out this year to use it, and uh, I've already. I mean, boy, I'm writing. I, I love how it forces you to application, forces you to blessing, forces you to think about instead of just mindlessly. And I don't mean mindlessly, but you know how sometimes you're just reading through, and it forces you to stop. Right? Oh, I've enjoyed that so much. I've enjoyed it. Listen, it's the Spirit of God through the Word of God that teaches us about Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this question. I'm going to be done. Done 20 minutes earlier than I thought I was going to be. Do you know more about Jesus than you did five years ago? Do you, do you know more about Jesus than you did five months ago? Five days ago. Hopefully five minutes ago. (laughs) Not only truth. 
but experientially. He walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own, the beautiful song says. And the joys we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. He gets sweeter, doesn't he? Watch, the, the more you know about Jesus uh, in, in, in truth and actuality, the more you know about him experientially. You will net watch this. You can't separate the experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ from the word of God and the truth. You can't separate the two. It's just not something that just comes down on you. And like, oh, this euphoria that comes down. And now I know more about Jesus experientially. No, it's going to start in his word. Do you know more about? Him? Are you walking in the spirit? Are you walking in the spirit? May God help us today to be cognizant of our life on a day-to-day basis that we walk in the Spirit so the Holy Spirit of God can do His work of teaching us about the Lord Jesus Christ so that that walk we have with Christ is sweeter than it has ever been before. You know, I love the testimony of, of some of our, how do I say this politically correct, seasoned saints. <laughs> some of those that have walked with the Lord for 10 and 20 and 30 and 50 and 60 and 70 years. And to hear them say it's just better than it's ever been. I'm enjoying life better than I ever have. It's sweeter than it ever... I've heard them. You've heard them. You've heard the testimonies. Why, why do they come to that place? Because they've never stopped walking in the Spirit and allowing God to teach them of the Lord Jesus Christ. It just gets better. Yeah. Discouraged and disappointed with life? Just get closer to Jesus. Well, it's not that simplistic. What well, kind of it? It is that simple. It really is. Are you walking in the Spirit? Are you learning of the Lord Jesus Christ? You have the ability to do it. You have the inner dwelling of the Spirit to do so. Are you allowing Him to do it? This was the prayer of the Apostle Paul. It's the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Father, thank you this morning for the gift, for that inner working of the Spirit of God. Thank you that you teach us. And we say it and ask it constantly, that you would, that you would illuminate your Word and teach us the Word, and uh, that we might know Thee. This was the cry of Paul later in Philippians, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. It was his desire. Father, would you help us today that we'd know more about you, that we'd live such a life, that we'd live a life of obedience, not just to look better than everybody else, not to set ourselves apart from everybody else, not to be more egotistical and arrogant because we're better than everybody else that we would separate ourselves in a life of obedience to you that we might know Jesus better and thus accomplish what you want to accomplish through us I would ask you to do that in Jesus name amen stand with me if you would this morning the instrument's going to play the invitation is open you have Opportunity to pray right where you are and spend some time with the Lord. I want to ask you a couple questions. 
How many would say, you can raise your hand if you'd like, how many would say, I, I do, I really, I really do, I really do want to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you raise your hand? I do. Oh, amen. I, I, I knew that was the heart of everybody in here. I know that. I know that. How many would say this, though? I really do feel that my growth has been stagnant lately. A little bit stagnant. Anybody? Yeah. Would you ask God to show you where the problem is this morning? It seems really simple that we're not walking in the Spirit somewhere. We've put a wall up somewhere. We've, we've, we've brought something in that has caused the Holy Spirit the inability to do what He wants to do in our life. Sin. Would you ask God this morning just to show you where it might be? He'll, he'll, Holy Spirit of God will show you. And when He shows you, when He shows you, would you agree with God immediately on it this morning? Would you agree with Him? Do what He tells you to do about it. What the Word of God tells you to do about it, do that. And begin once again to walk in the Spirit. It's a great gift that we've been given. We're in Christ. We have the indwelling Spirit of God. We have the ability or the the Holy Spirit of God within us to know everything. Watch. To know everything that God wants us to know about Himself. Everything. Do you know everything that God has revealed, God wants us to know about it? Wow. How many can say, I know everything that God wants me to know about Him? (laughs) No, not me. say, well, I, I know I have this problem or this issue. The Word of God also says, walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the deeds of the flesh. I like how he gives a positive instead of a negative. <laughs> don't worry about saying no, just say yes. I don't know if I can say no again. Well, just say yes to God. Don't worry about the no. Good to see everybody out today. Good for, thanks for hanging in there. It's only twelve forty-five, and uh, just kidding. You already know what time it is. So. <laughs>